Mansplanation is a show about two men trying to break free from the prison of toxic masculinity. They offer no professional advice or suggestion. They will occasionally use adult language and will often discuss examples of violence and malicious behavior, so parental guidance is recommended. Unless it's the Willy Wonka glass elevator. Yeah, yeah, you just keep going up and up until you get a free chocolate factory. That's the whole thing. Charlie actually breaks the rules and doesn't, okay. and and drinks something super dangerous with his grandpa. Uh, but yeah, Violet was robbed. Huh? That scumbag, Grandpa Joe. That scumbag, Grandpa Joe, as as our uh, line producer says. Apparently, people hate Grandpa Joe. Who hates Grandpa Joe? I don't know. I Apparently, don't there's a this... feeling on him. I feel like we need to get her involved. I mean, he has a coke nail, which I think is funny. If you ever notice, pretended to be, pretended oh, that's to be true. unable to walk, and made poor Charlie's mother work her ass off, and then oh, we're going to a chocolate factory. Oh, my legs work. Huh. It's true, right? Good points. Uh, shall I, shall I do the intro? Let's do it. But uh, welcome to Mansplanation, a sh- show. Is it a show? Welcome to Mansplanation, a talk show about our mistakes as men and what we are trying to do to make ourselves better. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm uh, your host, Todd. And if, if I can just like interject one thing real quick, because I was talking to somebody about this podcast and they asked me, do you have guests? I mean, we're, realistically, we're two white, middle-aged, middle-class, heterosexual guys who yeah, we're, we're talking about our issues, and I think it's important to explain that Tim and I, we do this very long distance. You're on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. When we do this, it's about 8.30 here. My children are barely asleep. We, we would very much like to. The logistics of it have proven to be pretty complicated. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I, I would, I, that's a goal, I think, yes. in, a, in an early episode that's yet to be edited. <laughs> Um, at, at one point we were talking about, he's another white man, but he's still a goal for me, uh, to get on the show as Paul F. Tompkins. That's a, that's a goal that I have. That would be awesome. But that, but I feel like to get there, we need to also have other guests first. Like we need to, we have to build up the Paul F. Tompkins. um, But yeah, the, the, the disclaimer, the intro at the beginning before we start talking, um, before the music plays. Right now, this show is just about us kind of airing our dirty laundry, more mm-hmm. or less, just like working through our shit. Definitely. Um, and so we're going to say stuff that isn't right. It's not fully formed and something yeah. that we're willing to listen to any comments on. And and so, yeah, so I think uh, that's, why, that's another reason I would like to have guests so that we could have people actually tell us as we're talking, no, that's not right or you that that's or here's this detail or here's this thing hey tim um hey do you know who quit twitter in 2016 uh a lot of people probably well one of them would be louis ck okay and the reason why he quit twitter was he said something to the effect of um 
I don't like the way it makes me feel. It doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel bad. It's mm. not the comments I get because everybody's going to get bad comments, really. I mean, yeah. my nephew's been posting stuff to um, YouTube and he's getting some pretty negative comments on them. And it's like, well, what you should do is you should go check out anything from Abbey Road on YouTube and you'll see horrifying comments about the Beatles, arguably one of the greatest, greatest bands ever. But the reason why Louis C.K. quit was he said that um, he would find himself tweeting things out. It was half-formed. He would look at it 30 seconds later and say, man, that was a terrible idea. This wasn't funny. This wasn't true. This wasn't kind. And four and a half million people just read it. And so he said uh, in order to kind of preserve his integrity, he was going to walk away from Twitter. So now he's doing that live? Well, as, for, yeah. as far as I under as far as I understand, I've avoided this. Uh, I mean, I I heard news and stuff. I haven't actually read anything specifically that was said. But yeah, he appeared at a comedy club. He did a stand up last week. That, uh, apparently, it was one of uh, six shows that he had uh, scheduled. All six were stole, sold out. Uh, by all reports, the his comedy was pretty well received. But there's a Twitter account that is attributed to him. There is no verification that it is or is not him. It's been tweeting out random things like, I don't care what you think about me anymore. Um, I think I just made enough enemies to last me a lifetime, and I'm good with that. Some pretty you know, like hard, cryptic things. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that uh, went up on it this weekend, which was then captured by TMZ and therefore went viral, was uh, audio of a comedy set that he did at said comedy club i haven't been able to listen to it yet okay like Um, you like emotionally or you haven't had the time i just haven't had the time and i'll be honest big part of me doesn't even want to hear it Mm -hmm. okay everything i've i've read snippets of it and uh one uh reviewer who i kind of respect uh listened to it and he said uh, the thing i can say about it is it's not funny yeah which Uh I'm more than happy to listen to an edgy comedian. I'm more than happy to listen to an aggressive comedian. I have no interest in listening to a funny comedian, and I don't know if anybody is capable of making a good joke about the Parkland shooting survivors. Yeah, And Louis C.K. is apparently in that category. Um, From what I'm reading, he has made jokes. uh, Let's see, there was a sexually explicit joke about nine-year-old girls, you know, good considering what's been going on with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a joke about kids who were gender neutral, and then he ended it with a uh, joke about uh, the Parkland students saying that the only reason why anybody listens to you is because you pushed a fat kid in front of you. Yeah. So, fuck yeah, you. Said, yeah, fuck you. That's, that's the show for this week, folks. Todd, Todd just wanted to say, fuck you. Yes. Louis C.K. on the public record. Yes. <laughs> And have it published somewhere. Did you hear about um, his heckler recently? Mm-mm. This, this woman's my hero. If I ever come across her, I will buy her as many drinks as she will allow me. Okay. Um, she was at the Comedy Cellar in New York City, and Louis did an unannounced show. And uh, she said, you know, I had one beer. He came on stage. People are laughing. I'm getting more and more angry the more and more people are laughing. Finally, I couldn't take it out anymore, and I yelled out, show us your dick, <laughs> which is That's, perfect. Yeah, it's so perfect. Yeah, and he stopped. He was shocked. He was not expecting. I think it's been years since Louis C.K. realistically had to deal with, A, a heckler, 
or be a heckler with any sort of venom in him. Yeah. I think that woman was perfectly both. Yeah. And uh, she he... was uh, shortly thereafter escorted from the uh, the comedy cellar and was told, "We we don't do hecklers here. Get out." Which is usually which is true mm-hmm. in a lot of comedy clubs. Um, I don't know. I've I've literally been at, in a comedy club twice in my life, maybe. I've been in a couple. And so. yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want a heckler there. I mean, that's just killing the show for everybody. I just e- even like, if the comedian sucks, let let them do their thing. But like from, this was good. Right. right. <laughs> no, just and of course she was removed, right? Like you can't. Of course she was removed. I see this yeah. as more as a social satire or social commentary yeah. than it is heckling. Yeah. It's just I, I guess when you fall, you fall. Is that, Has he is fallen? That, I I, and that, I think that's I, that's the I, I think he I'm did. Sure. He, he did fall. Oh, are you saying had he has he ever been up? Are we finally no. seeing the real him? I'm not sure if we're seeing the real him or if we're seeing an opportunistic man, because the jokes that he is making are very of the right wing ilk. I know, but then what? Yeah, I, I think it's just kind of like, and this is just me speculating here. I I haven't devoted a huge amount of uh, brain time to him. But it's kind of like, okay, I've sabotaged my career as kind of the woke comedian, the aware comedian, the comedian that's going to do some heavy introspection, make you laugh, and subsequently make you think. Mm-hmm. So now I have to, since I can't zig anymore, I got to zag pretty hard. So he's going to make some pretty unfunny right wing jokes to get people back on his side. To I get- think so, to sell some tickets. I don't really know. I'm trying to think who my friend always love to a sort of the conservative comedian not conservative but the blue collar louis ck like somebody who's very smart but also has a lot of very you know 1950s american men need to be men women need to be women kind of ideas you know essentially what dennis miller became yeah you know someone who's smart and has is is on the edge and does satire but at some point embrace the uglier side of um that kind of comedy right like Mm -hmm. embraces the edge Mm -hmm. um i think dennis leary is a good example because dennis leary you know you look at his comedy in the 90s and it's super it would not fly these days very problematic as someone who would be popular with people like you and me right and I look in my rearview mirror and see handicapped people make handicapped faces. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't fly right now. It's not going to sell an album right but now. But he's. A, but at at the time, it was a reaction to. And it's also it's a it's a satirical song too. Yeah, the right? song it's about. I'm an it's a, and it's a it's about that very specific suburban eighties nineties man. Um, but yeah, he. And I think Dennis Leary is interesting because, well, one, you know, besides him, his career being kind of shrouded in the ugly cloud of, you know, ripping off Bill Hicks, um, Bill Hicks um, the only cure for cancer. Yeah. <laughs> there is no cure for cancer. Yeah. No cure for cancer. No yeah. cure for cancer. Bill Hicks, for um, our listeners who aren't aware, is a brilliant comedian who had very similar jokes to um to dennis leary you can go on youtube and see uh uh blow by blow breakdown of jokes that they would do 
both do. Uh, Bill Hicks was also cut down by cancer very early in his life. So no cure for cancer. And Dennis Leary has an album. Dennis Leary's like big breakthrough comedy album was titled No Cure for Cancer. Right. Um, yeah, essentially, I, I, I guess the, the nice way to characterize it is that they were both doing very similar things, but Dennis Leary's act and performance became, he tailored it for a Dane Cook style audience of college, you know, drunk college yeah. kids. Um, whereas Bill Hicks definitely was more interested in what we all thought Louis C.K. was doing was kind of therapy on stage. Right. Was very much interested in saying the horrible shit in his head mm-hmm. up on stage and get getting people to focus and say, oh, yeah, I have those same thoughts and they're ugly. Right. And it's kind of funny that we all just laugh at this. And I think, you know, we've talked about, uh, I can't think of her name, Australian comedian. Okay. She did oh, Nan- wow. Nanette. Nanette. Yeah. Hannah Gatsby. Yes. Okay. Um, and right, that's the other thing. Like, the, sh- people, comedians like her, and it's a lot of women comedian, uh, her, Tignataro, are also doing that kind of comedy, but they're saying, hey, this isn't funny at some point. <laughs> this stops being a joke right. and starts being a real lived experience for a lot of us. And yes, we can laugh at it, but but after laughing, we also have to do something about it and look at it and talk about the unfunny parts of it. And right. that's, that's, I think, the point that that's the direction that I would have loved a man like Louis C.K. to go into because it's like, yeah, that, that this is your comedy. You're a very confessional. Here's the ugly shit. Here's the fucked up shit that I've done and and I've seen, and it and here's how I can make a joke out of it so that we can all talk about it. But now that right. I've made the joke and we can all talk about it, let's all talk about it. Right. And so specifically, it's like he did actually did a b- bunch of horrible, sexist and misogynistic shit, mm-hmm. and it would have been great to see him be like, okay, now, now that's, I'm going to perform that. Right. Like I've been, I've been making jokes about this real thing, this real aspect of myself and my personality. That's what I've made my career on. Yeah. Um, I, have you ever watched, uh, Lucky Louie? I've never watched Lucky Louie. I know about it though. Very short lived sitcom, uh, very standard sitcom, but it was made for HBO. So, it's uh, married with children. If you know, at at once an episode, you walked in on uh, Al Bundy masturbate in the closet or into a, you know in, a, in an inappropriate. You know, if it went beyond innuendo and actually was like, okay, this isn't. We're not just going to make winky innuendo. No, we're actually going to see. Yeah, yeah. That is the frustrating thing for me is that when, when the scandal hit. I had tremendous respect for him for coming out and saying, I did it. Because that's not a common thing. I can't think of anybody else, aside from Bill Cosby, who admitted during a deposition, denied it every ounce of the way, every place else he could. But he's really the only man that came forward and said, yes, these things are true. And I truly held out hope. And he said something to the effect of, I'm going to take some time off to listen to what people have to say. And it's like that wonderful that's maybe what you need to do maybe that's what we all need to do maybe it's what this generation of men need to do we need to stop we need to listen to the people around us we need to listen to women we need to listen to minorities 
because their perspective is not our perspective and all too often our perspective is the only one that matters. And he is somebody who had an intensely confessional brand of comedy. And for him to explore this on stage, I think would have been the thing that it, it would have been the light in a dark tunnel that I think a lot of people could potentially follow. I think a lot of people could then hold on to it and say, I've done some shitty things in my life and I'm going to get better. And this is the path that I'm going to take. I'm going to follow this guy. He, not every step is the perfect one. I'm not going to follow in his footsteps perfectly, but I'm going to go on a journey to become better. And instead, this is what we get. It's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I, I now just wait and grit my teeth for the day that, you know, Tom Hanks also right like all yeah. yeah no no powerful man no no powerful or famous or man who's made it quote unquote successful in show business and business is without these very heavy unexplored sins yeah because it's like yeah do i have any heroes left do i have any like real and when i say that like i don't know that it's a bad thing because I do, right, do I have any white, schlubby, you know, Eastern European, Northern European heroes? You are a fan of Paul of Tompkins. Made it. <laughs> right. And then, and I think that's why YouTube culture and podcasting culture has, you know, the, the kind, that, that kind of level of entertainment has really taken off mm-hmm. because there are successful people there who didn't compromise their morals. <laughs> or 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 are kind of operating out of a moral place oh no oh it i'll i'll edit it out you don't need to worry ta took his headset off and coughed away from the microphone as far as way as possible which is i'm still i'm still gonna have to edit it out i just mean from when i was a kid right like when i was a young formative person i have very little examples of manhood left that this kind of transitional state from you know european imperialism capitalism to more global kind of society why there's this huge reaction in the world back to white supremacy um, anti-immigrant anti-person of color anti-woman reaction is because yeah, it's all all the people I look up to now and look to somebody as an example for how I should be as a person and how I should lead are all female or are all people of color. Like it's or actually it's just more diverse, right? It is as it should be. It's a more diverse palette of people, right? That I Which look is at probably as it should be, having our skin tone, having our age, having our uh, sexual preference it's it's given you a lot of cover it's given us a lot of cover throughout our lives and to see kind of this veil coming down to a degree i mean we still have a president that grabs women by the pussy but at least this stuff is coming out at least this stuff is being said being noticed one thing i think is kind of interesting is i think we talked about this before roman polanski obviously uh, sexually assaulted, 13-year-old girl fled the country when it looked like he was actually going to be prosecuted on this. Um, Madonna famously stated that uh, Mr. Polanski needs to be held to a different standard as he is an artist. Mm. And I, I think, think, yeah, it, a, lot, a lot of people 
Yeah, Madonna, Madonna is somebody who specifically said this, and Madonna herself is a rape survivor and obviously a woman. So for, for her to have that perspective, I think, is telling of one time. And uh, when I was uh, – right after I put the kids to bed, I took a little bit of time to see kind of what was going on, and I saw that, and I completely missed this. I really need to check this out. Uh, last night uh, on Saturday – was the premiere of a uh, six-part docuseries on Lifetime called Surviving R. Kelly. Oh, Jesus. And, and it's uh, going to be a number of, more than 50 people have been interviewed for this documentary. Um, and it's a very damning picture of Mr. Kelly. <laughs> is, is there more damning to do on him? I think that there is. Because he essentially ran the sex cult. Like, he's known to have... I think I don't think there's new claims, but I think having a definitive document listing them all out, where people can—I mean, another definitive document out, out listing where all these things are, so people can see them in one place. But uh, a number of people were asked to be interviewed, and they declined. These people would be Lady Gaga, Jay Z, Questlove, Celine Dion, Erica Badu, Dave Chappelle. Um, the Aziz only, isn't on there. I don't know about Aziz sorry. but. Um, one person who did agree to be interviewed and to go uh, on the record about R. Kelly was Aziz Ansari collaborator John Legend, who oh. stated that, in his opinion, appearing in the documentary was an easy decision. To everyone telling me how courageous I am for being in the documentary, it didn't feel risky at all. I believe these women, and I don't give a fuck about protecting a serial child rapist. Easy decision. The survivors deserve to be lifted up and heard yeah man he's chrissy teigen wouldn't wouldn't marry no fool and, and i i think that chrissy and sorry you you mispronounced his name his name's chrissy teigen's husband <laughs> but i think this is something that can, does give me hope we go from a rape survivor protecting a rapist in the mid 90s to a musician just saying i don't give a fuck about a serial child rapist i mean i remember very specifically when he married Aaliyah when Aaliyah was 15, because I was 15 when that happened. And I remember looking around, I was like, is this allowed? Does he get to do this? And apparently the answer was, sure, why not? Not anymore. Yeah. Um, there are, and I, and I think part of that comes from, you know, diversity, right? Like we... Yes. I would say that if we allow ourselves to become exposed to other cultures, other people, other points of view, something like this suddenly becomes a no-brainer. It's just, somebody once told me that learning a language is gaining another soul, and I, I wholeheartedly believe that. But I also believe that learning another perspective is probably getting another soul. And your eyes get opened a little bit more. And if you listen to enough diverse music, talk to enough diverse people, read enough uh books by people that don't look like you that don't look like your dad your granddad whatever that then you're gonna you're gonna open your eyes just a little bit more till one day you're gonna see something like this and say yeah of course uh, why would i defend this man why did i why why would i defend any man who looks who does these things why would i defend right it's like i oh that felt good in my ears <laughs> sorry about that no I, I thought i didn't know what it was you, only the that look on your face on vibrate and uh, <laughs> vibrating a text message from my older sister only the look on your face told me that it was you who were the culprit that was me um yeah i uh i have 
the, the only other thing that I have to add, um, and it's I've I've lost it. <laughs> what did Aziz Ansari and John Legend do together? Uh, they did Master of None. Oh, John, John Legend, Legend appeared on an episode of Master to Master of None. I have I've only watched I think the first season of that. It was a wonderful show. I don't know if I could watch it again in the same way. And I'm very hopeful that maybe Aziz Ansari, again, another comedian who had uh, made a career out of kind of doing therapy on stage, in my opinion. Hopefully he's going to come out and say, these are the things I've done. These are the things I need to make better. It, it would be nice to hear this happen because he's another one. He was, he was a woke comedian. Master of None in the first season dealt with, I mean, there was a woman, they, they, they did a citizen's arrest on a guy masturbating on the subway. Wait, wasn't that Broad City? What's that? Wasn't that Broad City? No, this happened in season one of uh, Master of None. Season two, uh, he became a business partner with a man who was sexually harassing uh, underlings. And he essentially kind of called him out on it. He did the right thing. He did the thing that I think all of us hoped that we would do. So it would be very nice to see somebody who at least portrayed himself as woke to become woke and deal with their own shit. It's something I think about, not a lot, but it's something as um, doing improv and doing that those styles of that style of acting and exercises geared at that style of acting. Uh, I won't use any big, stupid, snooty words like use one. Uh, the Meisner technique. I've I've studied Sandy Meisner. <laughs> kind of famous for both yeah meisner and uh, one of the like fathers of modern improv um oh, fuck i can't think of his name not dale carnegie that's ways to influence people del close sorry so del close and sandy meisner were very big you know Truth, truth in comedy, truth in acting. You find the emotion, you find the story within yourself. But one thing that they fail to teach, and you know, especially doing this, this one class I took had you know student testimonials. Always talk about it's like, oh, it, you can, you don't need to go to therapy. You're going to save money on therapy. Did I lose you? You're slightly no. moving. Okay, you're no. still there that a lot comes up like the, these, these exercises and these techniques are trained to kind of like put you in a place where you can do sense memories. Like think of somebody you miss, think of a person you want to, that you haven't seen in forever, but that you would really want to talk to and that, you know, you would have an emotional reaction if you saw. And so it's a, it's a lot of exercises about, you know, practicing, imagining painful situations. And my whole thing was, yeah, this this imitates therapy, but it's not therapy <laughs> because yeah. you're only going you're not you're not being, you know, and, and I think about this when I hear, you know, the, the woke confessional comedians who aired their sh dirty laundry and on stage, you know, a, a place where you can be raw and emotional and um, uh, intimate and kind of exposed and vulnerable and do those things things that you know quote unquote woke comedians do but then also have guidance in how to heal like right how to be 
how to be awake, how not to go back to sleep, like how not to just make a joke of it and put it away, put it in a drawer as a, a bit to do. Not how to monetize being woke, seeing not, it as a passing fad or trend. Not even just it. not not even saying they're doing that. Saying that they they're taking it. It it, it would it would be essentially to do the part of therapy to take it to the place where it's like, okay, you need to be comfortable with yourself, right? Like that kind of part of protecting yourself correctly and know how to love yourself and like yourself. And then taking that forward so that you can know and like and love other people and listen to other people, right? Kind of like both, both being able to be vulnerable with yourself and vulnerable with other people. Yeah, uh, it, it, it it's it's a fake kind of wake wokeness and you know a fake kind of consciousness where you're staying conscious for a little bit and then it's like okay I can fall back into my bad behavior and not account yeah. for it because look and I'm I, aware of it. I, I did want to say that I mean like I don't want to accuse any of the comedians you were talking about of anything like that, but for me and my perspective, I see Louis C.K. as very indicative of a comedian who's. I'm going to monetize this. Or maybe yeah. he was uh, trying to exercise a part of himself, but not really willing to do the full job. Well, you know, as as somebody who is trying or looking into, right, making making money off your craft, and when that craft is acting or comedy or performance, um, it's the business side of it is a completely different side than the craft part, right? Definitely. Um, and, and right. And it's at some point you're like, well, I make a product and my product is comedy. And I, and I think the thing that it's, it's, you know, not specific to one comedian, but to see how much, and, and, you know, in this example, how much it's like, yeah, this is just about the product to you. You, you are, you are more interested in the business side of it. Um, as making a living because you're like, oh, I have this lifestyle now, so I need to protect this lifestyle and I need to protect the income I'm making from, you know, being able to do, have complete creative control over a TV show, which costs a shitload of money to make. So what's, what's getting you through your week lately, right on that heavy, heavy note? (laughs) What's getting me through? Uh, I don't really have much prepared on this. Um, been the holidays and honestly i've just been focused on my family um gave my kids a good christmas gave my kids a good new year we went to a a birthday party today for some mutual friends uh their seven their son turned seven years old and friends uh, between your kids and you no it's like oh yeah somebody i work with but my daughter knows him from oh our me me and you mutual friends okay yeah (laughs) Yeah, somebody that we've hung out with a lot so it's it's not a kid it's it's not you know, somebody that you know and that your daughter also knows. Right. But you've never hung out together. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to uh, listen to a lot more music. I haven't been able to read in quite some time. The last book I tried to read was uh, Bob Woodward's Fear, and I'm perpetually on 130 pages before it just depresses the hell out of me. (laughs) I I guess if there's um, anything I could recommend – Tribe Called Quest, man, their first three albums, it blows me away that those guys were young. Those guys were in their 20s, and they're 
putting that music out there. If uh, you're a fan of 90s hip hop at all, or if you just want to challenge yourself, check, get those three albums. Are they challenging albums to listen to? They're, they're challenging albums. They're interesting albums. And honestly, um, Q-Tip and Fife Dog say things that I don't think a lot of rappers are willing to say today. Huh. I have to, uh, what album is Left My Wallet on? That is People's Instinctive Paths. And that, that's a that? fun album, but that's an album definitely made by like 17-year-olds with some fun, silly, poppy songs. Which um, Where is that in really, the... I'm sorry? Is that their like third album? That is their very first debut album. That's their first album, okay. Followed up by The Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders, which are mind-blowing. Uh, there's a song on, uh, I believe it's uh, Midnight Marauders called Sucker N-Words, where he really challenges the rap community to focus on what this word means and is it worth taking it back or is it should be left behind. Hmm. And I, I can't. I, I love hip-hop. I don't listen to as much of it as I used to. But I, I can't think of anybody else make, either making that argument or willing to engage in that discussion. Mm. What about you, Tim? Yeah. What's getting you through? Oh, um, I have a couple things. Uh, my podcast recommendation for this week is um, uh, it's called The Dream uh, from this year. Uh, the, the last I haven't gotten to the last episode of the first season. I don't know if there's other seasons. But um, the, the short story is that it's about multi-level marketing uh the host name i don't know it's it's made by stitcher like specifically about like the history of pyramid schemes and oh it's called the dream because it essentially it's like yeah multi multi multi-level marketing is a good way to talk about all the things that are broken with the american dream and that kind of story and you know especially American sexism and American racism. Um, but it's told through that, that kind of stuff comes up through this story of talking to people who are, you know, doing, you know, Mary Kay style, um, Tupperware style, um, direct sales things, people who are successful at it, the, you know, there's so many stories about unsuccessful people. This this you know woman goes back to her hometown and is she's like yeah all, all the women in my town and right specifically how much like in its inception like this this whole idea of direct sales and multi level marketing was sort of preying on housewives and women because it was like oh this is women's work this is very much like exploit you know your social relationships um to sell people house projects and things they need so that's that's it uh something on a better note i just read a really i essentially read uh if if firefly were written by tumblr okay uh the website before they got rid of the porn okay <laughs> um it's it's a uh space opera a long way to a small angry planet by Becky Chambers. Uh, it's part of a series called, I guess, the Wayfarer books. Just great fun. There, it f- fun sci-fi. Okay. But literally every, it, it does all the things of like attacking different ways of thinking, different way, different genders, different. Um, ways of living, different cultures through the lens of, you know, alien species. 
um, which is something I, I very much like. And I don't know that it is limited to female authors, female speculative fiction or female sci-fi authors. You know, um, Ursula K. Le Guin is Legendary. one of the masters of doing this, um, essentially attacking, you know, how we see society and the patriarchy through the lens of, well, here's let's let's imagine a species that just changed sex when we know that does exist in nature. So it's let's imagine a species that developed civilization that, you know, they're everyone's born female and at some point in your life you just become male. And then you're male for the rest of your life. Um and what that means. So it's a lot of that. It's essentially that's what the book is mostly exploring different kinds of relationships. Um and there's some stuff about intergalactic politics. Of course. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's been getting me through. Good old, good, good, good fun sci-fi and podcasts. Uh, 96 yeah. month and uh, the hope that the uh, <laughs> new House of Representatives is going to get to work as of oh, uh, yeah. last day. <laughs> Alexandra... Ocasio-Cortez, yeah. the AOC dance video. That's giving me that's that's giving me hope. That's getting me through this week. It's like that's a great fun video. Yeah. Nothing like, oh, wrong she's, with that. She's 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 an she's a federal representative. Great. Mm-hmm. She looks like a real person. But you remember the amount of shit that Paul Ryan got when he posted his uh, P90X workout stuff? Wait, that never happened. And that never happened. I mean, he posted it but there was no fallout from it. Right. People made fun of him, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, look at this douchebag. It was like, oh, it wasn't like, oh, this person doesn't deserve to be a leader. Oh, you got a tickle? Got a little tickle? (coughs) A lot of coughs. All that cigar smoke? (coughs) I think I got something from the kids. Too dusty? Oh, you're done. You need to get some water? Good night, Todd. Good night, Tim. This is... This has been Mansplanation, a show about banging your hand against the wall. As always. Oh, um, how do we do the end? I already hung up on Todd. Um, I need to up an ending. But yeah, uh, thank you to the artist Color for the UR theme song, Freed from Greed, off their album Trinity. You can listen to more of their music at cullah.com, C-U-L-L-A-H. Thank you for listening, and as always, don't keep yourself in a box. If you're talking about, see you call the